0: Nation, what is going on? Welcome to another edition of the Hawks Fan TV podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and here with my permanent co host at this point, uh, Hawks Fan TV AJ. Um, can't believe we both have a smile on our faces. We're saying that it's hard to smile as a Hawks fan these days, but um, at least the weather's getting nicer, at least it's uh warming up a little bit. Um, but yeah, man, think things, uh, I, I can't say they, they're they're rough because this is it has to be expected to a degree. I mean, did we really think? that we were going to take down the Boston Celtics in a seven game series. Um, I'm sure there was some hope and some legitimate optimism behind people saying things like that, but, you know, reality has got to set in at some point and you got to accept that it just kind of is what it is. Um, So, yeah, man, you know, we'll, we'll recap both games three and four Uh, game three uh, you know, that's going to be the fun one to recap. Uh, That was, that was a great game. AJ, you were there actually with Alex as well. So we had nice Hawks fan TV representation in the house um, and you know, Hawks pulled off the win, man. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, obviously it was pretty cool, but it was, it was awesome to see how lit the building was. It, the crowd played a huge role into it. I, I don't think anybody could deny that. So glad you guys were able to make it. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I'd love, I'd love to hear your, your point of view and perspective of game three and what the crowd felt like even pregame and everything. Cause I can imagine the energy was pretty high.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the first thing I'll point to it. It wasn't a normal Hawks, um, game, you know, cause, we do have a wrap for either – whether you want to say we show up or don't wear our team colors or we show up late. Atlanta, I'm sorry. I've, I've been watching the team for 20 years, and that is pretty freaking true. Um, Sat uh, Friday was not the case. It was awesome. The atmosphere was crazy. You had people cheering on every position, it seemed. You had defensive possessions that people were cheering on getting into. When someone would make that – time. it's almost like when a timely basket was made, you felt the crowd almost energize the player – to get to that moment, you know? So in, in regards to the energy, I mean, it was terrific. Um, One thing that I would, I, I, I would like to bring up, I, I don't know why they chose to go with a blackout against the Celtics. I think we should have probably done a red out. I think that would have combated the green in there a little bit better, but again, on Friday, there actually was, it looked like a lot more Hawks fans in there instead of a Boston Celtics contingency, which is a good start in my opinion. Now getting to the actual game, um, you know, they they just played their brand of basketball, the Hawks basketball that that we want to see, that everyone wants to see on a consistent basis. And that's, you know, the number two scoring offense in, you know, the NBA and a serviceable defense, much to our Falcons or Braves. You know, a bend don't break defense, you know, and that's how they played game three. Uh, every, the shots were going um, three point wise, you know, the Celtics actually ended up hitting a couple more threes than us, but we were hitting ours at a more efficient clip. Um, I think they hit 21. We hit 15. But again, we hit ours at, you know, a 44 percent rate, which is pretty good um, in the National Basketball League. But, you know, we got a big game out of Trey. We got a big game out of DeJounte. Why we bought DeJounte in here to have guys. Um, I'm sure you've seen the statistic already. It's the first time in franchise history that two players had, you know, 20 plus points, five plus rebounds, five plus assists. So um, which they actually did replicate again in game four, albeit in a loss. Um, you know so game three was just it was fantastic man it was you know the energy was there the team showed up and you know it's just for me you know kind of comparing it to yesterday because I watched yesterday's game from start to finish it was back to the same old Hawks we had empty seats by the you know halfway through the first quarter crowd didn't really seem into it and once Boston got going it took the crowd out of it even more and you know it's the Hawks were just playing from behind the whole time they were chasing instead of you know being the aggressor that they were on Friday
0: yeah, that's, that's a very good point. You know, Friday, they definitely were the aggressor. It was, um, you know, the opposite of game four where it felt like the Hawks would be up by seven. Boston would answer a little bit, but then the Hawks would go on another run where it was just like the the Hawks had an answer for everything for Boston and Boston definitely had the opposite for game four. I'll get into that a little bit later, but you know, game, game three, as you said, the, the energy was high and um, you know, it's, You know, Malcolm Brogdon kind of spoke on it, and it's, you know, it's an unfortunate truth, but you kind of said it, and it is true. Um, You know, Atlanta Hawks fans haven't been known as the most uh, passionate and diehard fan base out there, selling out every single game, doesn't matter the team success or not. Um, So, you know, it it was – I even tweeted out from my account, there there was some unfortunate truth behind what he was saying. But um, it couldn't be further from the reality – on you know Friday, Game Three, and I yep. think even the last couple seasons, you know this season the Hawks were second in percentage attendance in the NBA uh, yep. behind Dallas. And you know I, I got to admit, when you're competing with the Braves, and um, you know the Falcons weren't any good this year, but the, this is still a city that loves the Falcons probably more than any other team in the city. Point being is that when you're competing with both of those teams for viewership and, and whatever it may be. I, I think it's impressive that the Hawks were able to get that, that high attendance this year. And it's, it's it's you know, I, I think you can, you know, almost directly correlate that to the signing of uh, DeJounte Murray. I, I think bringing in that second star made people, uh, myself included, really think that this season was going to be quite a difference for the Atlanta Hawks. And, um, you know, I got him in. I'm definitely a little glad that it's almost over. But game three was fun. Game, game three was definitely fun. Obviously you got Trey dropping 32, DeJounte dropping 25, bench mob went off. You know, there's the whole, uh, old mantra in the NBA, the role players play better at home. Well, they certainly did in game three. Um, you know, I mean, I, I want to say they had, well, I'm looking at it now they did They had third, uh, 44 points combined, man. I mean, that's, that's a ton off the bench. So, you know, getting that heavy of contribution from the bench, um, you know, you've seen Onyeka and Bogey joke in games past. Hey, we got the best bench in the NBA. And sometimes you can actually argue that maybe they are. Uh, but then game four, you know, and this uh, I guess be kind of my segue into game four. Game four, it just wasn't the same deal, man. It was actually the opposite. It was the, the Celtics bench that was stepping up. It was Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, it was Derek White. It was, I mean, at times Marcus Smart was making circus shots, which I mean, that guy's got to be at this point one of the more frustrating players in the entire NBA if you're not a fan of the Celtics. Um, I think probably even Celtics fans don't like the guy at points. So, um, but, you know, it's just, it's game four. I, I was saying off air before we, you know, started recording that I wasn't necessarily disappointed with the effort. I wasn't disappointed with, you know, really the production, except for one person, John Collins. We'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, it's just, I, I'm sitting there watching it at home, watching it with, with, my, with my fiance. And, you know, she's a huge Hawks fan at this point now too we both said it almost at the exact same time. It's like, they're just a better team. It just, every time we would go on a little bit of run, I mean, there were times where we had it, the the lead as low as, I want to say three or four points. And then the Celtics would go on a 10-0 run and it would just be back to double digits. And it just, it just, oh, gosh, you know, I'll say this, man, Jason, Tatum, I'm jealous of you Celtics fans and you Dookies out there because that dude is a freak, man. To be able to do what you can do at 6'8 uh, and in that size with that skill set, I mean, I just, I don't know, Jason Tatum is is a baller of, of all ballers. He's definitely a top five player in the league in my mind. So um, with that being said, he's a top five player, man. You know, you're, you're not going to stop that guy. He's going to get his 25-plus points, his 10-plus boards, his, you know, six, seven-plus assists. Like, he's going to make a huge impact on the game no matter what. So, um, you know, in game four, too, uh, Jalen Brown, I feel like we kind of slowed him down for game two and game three. Um, you know, I, I want to say he scored in the teens in both of those games. And then game four, bro drops 31 points, takes off his mask. And I knew it, man, when he took off that mask. I, I literally was like, oh, my God, he's about to go off. He went 11-15, probably I think it was like 24 points after that. It's uh, not not fun. So, And, again, I'm really kind of highlighting that because it's just the idea that, you know, I think this was a series where, as a Hawks fan and as a huge Trey Young fan, if I could show you all my Trey Young merch, you wouldn't even believe it. But you got, i got to hang my head a little bit and just be like, man, these guys are just better than our two guys at this point. Yeah. Um, I say at this point because I'm not saying the trainer Jonte can never get there. I have full faith that they can. But right now in their careers, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are just on a different level. So, um, But, yeah, man, it's game four. It was definitely a heartbreaker. You know, it was a must win for the Hawks. I think this series is probably over now, uh, if, emphasis on it being over. But, uh, but yeah, man, you know, game four, I, I don't want to hang my head too low. You know what I mean? It it was, it was a hard fought battle and we just, the better team won. So, you know.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you pointed to some of those contributions. I mean, again, a a guy that we, we didn't mention Robert Williams comes off and puts up a double double essentially in the second quarter. You know, I mean, that, that's something that can be understated, um, Trey, you know, we're watching, as I'm watching the game, he's putting great effort. He gets that steal. Um, I think it's on Marcus Smart or Jason Tatum. I forgot who it was. Um, kind of the wraparound steal. So, you know, he's locked in defensively, which you could tell the guys are playing. No one's, no one's not playing. Um, Trey actually said in his post game presser, he thought that they were just as, or if not more aggressive than they were in game three. Sometimes the shots don't fall. He said he was comfortable with a lot of the shots that his teammates and him took. They just didn't fall. And, it's, it's hard because, yes, I do want to say, and, and it's not a doubt, the, the Celtics are clear head and shoulders better than us, but there's, man, if the Hawks just hit a couple shots in some of these games, a lot of the complexion and how the game breaks down is just different. And it seemed like in game four, much like um, i would even related a little bit of game one, they're within striking distance. They need to get that basket. They need to get that stop. They need to hit a three. They just need one thing that's going to turn this game upside down, and they just never got it. Um, yesterday, like you mentioned, we we cut the lead down to three points, you know. And from then on, they go on a 10-0 run right after, which is, you know, obviously you don't want to be playing from behind because that creates more of a hole and you're putting in more effort. Um, so it's hard to stay. But at the same point, if the Hawks just, uh, I, I Mac, I really wish I had an answer for you, buddy. I just, it's just frustrating. It's been like this all year. It's I'd even go back to say it's been like this even last year. is oh, yeah. a very similar story. So. Um, you know, I, 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 am not in the camp. I do want to, you know, I know we're going to talk about later, but I, I'm not trying to blow this team up in regards to Trey. I mean, the guys in categories with Michael Jordan and LeBron this early in his career in certain categories. So I realize the potentially he has, but there's just, there's just stuff from this game that I watched where it was like, man, it's time to move on from some of these pieces, man. It's just, it's just not working. It's almost, almost kind of gets you back into that mold of late 2000s, where the Hawks were making the playoffs. They were winning, but what were they doing? You know, first round exit, second round exit, the the one time they made it to the Eastern conference finals, they get swept. So, you know, it's it's kind of going back to that franchise argument that we've always had is are we going to be okay with consistently making the playoffs with a superstar player like Trey Young, or are we really going to go for it? Are we really going to put in the chips to go after a title, which involves risk, it involves signings, it involves trades, involves drafting well. And, you know, it's losses like this on a, on a must-win game, just, bring up all those ugly things that I wish we weren't talking about today and more so talking about an important game five that we have coming up tomorrow. But, you know, it just so happens, like you said, it's, it's tough to come back down three, one against a team that is, you know, on paper. And I think on the court has been better than the Hawks. So it's, it's just tough, man. It's tough.
0: Oh yeah. No, man, you, you said a couple of points that made me think of a couple of things, you know, um, you know, you, you mentioned that Trey's a superstar player and like, are we okay with just, you know, maybe a second round exit out of the playoffs every year here and there. Um, and, and having that, and that I'll, I'll tell you to be completely honest, where most people that would be watching us are of age that would see this guy's entire career, but it, it makes me terrified that it could be a Damian Lillard. You know yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like, it, it's just one of those where, you know, we, we got it, we got to get it together, but you know, I, I think, I think we will. I think we will. Um, And again, something that you said that, you know, you're saying you don't want to really see the team blown up. I don't want to see it blown up either because we definitely need to keep Trey Young. We need to keep Onyeka. We need to keep Jalen Johnson. We need to keep A.J. Griffin. We need to keep DeJounte. I personally don't even think we need to get rid of Bogey. I I think I think when he comes off the bench and is actually playing well, like you have to understand Bogey is a bench player. So he's not going to perform like a starter because if he did, he'd be a starter. Uh, Exactly. So I'm just saying like, you got to, you know, temper your expectations a little bit, but I'll tell you one guy we can get rid of. And and you mentioned early 2000 talks, you know, he's basically a poor man's John uh, Josh Smith. So we can definitely get rid of John Collins at this point, man. John, if you ever hear this, I think you're an incredible man. And I am genuinely hoping the best for you. I don't know where you'll end up going, but I do hope you end up somewhere where you're competing for a championship. Hey, maybe we can even see you in the finals, my friend. But I think at this point, I mentioned it earlier on the podcast, you know, a few months ago when the trade rumors started swirling up again, I, I said to Alex, because he was on the episode with me at that time, I was like, dude, I just think we've forgotten the human element with how many trade rumors are are happened with John Collins every single year. And I just think it's apparent at this point. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right now, uh, five for seven in game one, two for 11 in game two, three for seven in game three, one for nine yesterday. That's horrible, man. I mean, obviously five for seven isn't terrible, but the other three are horrible, and I don't want to believe and I don't believe that it's because the dude has just become a bum and just, you know, it's like Space Jam and he got his like, you know, his, zapped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. his power zapped from him. It's like, no, man, the dude's still a baller. He just he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be in Atlanta anymore, man. I don't I don't think his heart is in it anymore. I think it 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 took a toll on him how often I mean, the example I used when I was saying it to Alex way back when is was like, imagine your boss comes up to you every few months and is like, hey, man you might be moved over to the West Coast in, in a month or so, but we still love you. We're still going to keep you around. Like, it's just, it's it's got to be confusing. It's got to it's gotta weigh on you. It's got to, so point being is that, you know, I I hear a lot of John Collins slander and I'm laughing because it's not necessarily not deserved. I mean, he hasn't played well and I'm sure dudes at his level and as long as they've been doing it, understand that that's part of it, man. You're going to face criticism. It's just part of it. So I, I don't think it probably bothers him too much. But I will say there's there has been some people where I'm like, oh, you know, hold on, man, don't say that about John. I'm like, John's still a good guy. I just don't think, you know, I think it's, you know, one of those mutually parting ways. I think it's a lot of times that said I don't feel like it actually is mutual. I feel like this is a time where it would actually be mutual, where both sides are just like, hey, I think it'd be best for you guys. Best for me if I kind of go ahead and move on, because you know, um, it was set on the space after the game last night, uh, a ton. And it's true out of your starting four and a game four down two one in the playoffs, it's five points. It's just, you can't have that, man. You just, it's, you can't have it. So um, I I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get into who we want to trade later towards the end of the episode, but I'm, I'm obviously saying right now, John Collins is, is my number one. Um, But with that being said, again, I, I do want to reiterate, I don't, I don't. I don't hate this guy. I got his jersey. Um, I got. I bought the shirt when he dunked on Embiid. <laughs> on it, like I'm just saying. Like I'm. I'm. I'm a John Collins guy, man. But at the end of the day, it's you know we were saying off air, and I. I laugh as I say because it is funny. But like, man, we gotta. We we gotta switch some things up, man. Because I'm not wishing. I'm not wishing anybody. You know, bad wherever they go. But it's like. Uh, I was saying. I was saying to my fiance, it's like we're watching this TV show. And the first, like, three seasons of it were great. You know, they were awesome. But the characters are just stale. They're The storylines aren't really moving anymore. We just but, – but they're still – whatever world this show is <laughs> in. for sure. The point being yeah. is that it's like we just need new new characters, man. We just need some fresh faces. So.
1: No, and, and, and I don't disagree. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, I mean, I'm just sad to see what's happened to John. I mean, he was such a fan favorite. He was such a great player. We've seen what he can do when he's at, you know, the highest level. And, Mac, I got to agree with you. I think it's 100% the external noise that's affected him. I mean, first, you know, we want to go through the history, right? He first had a stumbling block coming into his sophomore year. He got suspended for the PED. So he's kind of in the news there, right? Then, you know, getting criticism from that regard, you know, not being prepared for the season, putting your team behind the eight ball. Then, you know, you hear that offseason, he comes out, him and Trey are infighting, you know. So now there's this whole narrative that him and Trey don't get along. So now they're addressing that the whole time. Then you have trade rumor and I believe I'm looking at, so it's 2020 to 21. Then you got trade rumors again in 21, 22. You had trade rumors again, 22, 23. To go back to your analogy, to hear that, you know, if your boss came up every day and say, Hey, I may fire you, but I don't know, (laughs) you know, we'll see. We'll just see what the market bears, you know, that's, (laughs) it, it, it does get tough, man. And, and I, i Honestly, just I cannot see how that doesn't affect him. I, he says all the right things, he does all the correct things. Um, let's not mention, you know, he does have that jacked up middle finger, which right. I know he says doesn't affect his shooting, but Has. based on what we Has. saw this year, he had career lows across the board and all his shooting splits. So I don't know if it's from that or again, the confidence. But one, one thing I saw in game four last night that just led me to be like, Yeah, John's time is done here, he's he's guarding a guy one on one. And if you've ever played basketball, I never played at a high level, but even when when you don't have your confidence going, you can even tell it on your defense. I mean, he's guarding this guy and he's look like he looked like he's on skates. And John's a pretty solid defender when it comes to that, especially on one-on-one. But he just looked all all out of sorts, which is telling me that he's thinking too much, which is telling me that he's just not it's just not conducive to winning basketball. So if he's played his last game here at Atlanta, you know, albeit tomorrow, or if we push it to a game six, you know. I wish him the best. I really do. Like you said, I, he's been a class act. He's a community guy, a great person. Um, but I, I, I'll even, you know, one more point I add in there. there is just, you know, even the trade connection hasn't been this year Within the first couple of years, him and Trey were connecting on lobs, you know, almost like, like Clint Capella, you know, they had, he had Clint and he had John. I, I only see Clint Capella these days. We don't even see John on the receiving end of those, which really is worrisome because his game does rely a bit on athleticism as well. So um, again, I mean, it's just hard to put an argument for a guy that had, I'm looking at it now, career lows and points. We're, we're excluding his rookie year, career lows and points, career lows and assists, career lows and rebounds, career lows and free throw percentage and field goal percentage. Three point. I mean, he, he shot twenty nine percent for three this year. I think I could do that. Twenty nine percent is. Not well, that's not even college. Digits? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that is that is not even college basketball worthy, you know, to be 29 yeah. percent. So especially for a guy that moved his game to the perimeter. So right. I, I just honestly, I just think the whole situation is sad. I hate that it came to that. I, I viewed him as a pillar when we gave him that contract. And looks like, uh you know, the people that were kind of advocating for that are the ones eating their their words now. But, you know, just a just a sad, sad uh, kind of, you know, went the opposite way of progression, you know, went to regression in right. the case of John Collins, man.
0: And look, man, I, I just got this. I know the way the podcast is released, it won't necessarily be breaking news for anybody that hears, but breaking news, DeJounte Murray has been at one game without pay for making inappropriate contact with an official at the end of game four. So um, I got to admit, no DeJounte. <laughs> Sounds like good, dude. That's, that's, that's a loss. That's a loss. That's okay. The season probably needs to end anyways. Um, you know, real quick, I didn't it's plan on okay. talking about the DeJounte bump. I know it's something that, you know, we probably should have talked about. Now we'll talk about it real quick. Um, you know, you can't do things like that as much as as much as I hate it. You know, I you know use this analogy when I've talked about Trey yapping with the uh, referees and previously in the season. It's like arguing with a cop that's pulled you over. Like it just you're not, you're not gonna win, man. It just it doesn't. I don't understand what players in any sport like soccer, yeah. football, based in in any sport think that they're going to do. I know that there are the occasional LeBron's and Tom Brady's that get away with it, but I don't know if you guys realize they're the greatest athletes ever in their respective sports, so don't <laughs> expect to get the same treatment. Anyways, it's just – you just can't do things like that. I know it was – emotions are high. He didn't feel like the refs called a fair game. Um, you know, I I I was honestly I'm, – I'm sitting there watching at home – It's the trade technical foul – I mean, uh, not technical, the flagrant one on Jason Tatum. He pulls him down, and, you know, I I saw it live. Jason Tatum hops up and he pushes the referee out of the way. He's trying to get to another referee to be like, yo, why the hell did you not call that? But it's just one of those where it's hard visually the optics of it to see the star player on one team physically move or push whatever term you want to use for it, a referee – in an act of anger, in an act of, you know, retaliation or whatever you want to call it, then the Hawks player does it. And sure enough, you know, DeJounte gets suspended. Now, don't get me wrong, Jason Tatum, they could announce it, but I, I would figure they would announce them at the same time. And I would think the announcement would be both DeJounte and Jason Tatum are suspended for game game five, which obviously that didn't happen. I think it's just one of those where, uh, you know, it's like the Jordan rules, you know what I mean? It's, it's just one of those where it's like, look, man, it's the star players are going to get preferential treatment. And, you know, I don't I I don't know. It sucks, man. That's obviously breaking news. I don't I don't really know how to fully fully process it. But that's feels like feels like that's a little unfair, but it, it is what it is, man.
1: No, and, and I'm going to go right back to you because I'll agree. I mean, Desante should be suspended. I'm going to tell you if some dude came to me in the club, how he did to that ref, yeah, we're fighting. Like, I'm not like, going <laughs> right. to come up to me like that. You know what I mean? So right. I get why he's suspended. Again, I am wholeheartedly agree. I mean, Jason Tatum literally put his hands on an official. I don't care what the reasoning or what he was trying to do. you moved an official out of the way. That is – I think means a suspension. So right. in that regard, we'll see we'll see what happens. I guess in the next couple of hours, maybe he'll get announced too. But you know, I do I mean, I, I feel like that's just a perfect example of the NBA's two way street if the Celtics don't get, you know, the small market team gets punished, big market team, nothing happens, just wiped off. But that's just the NBA, just how it is. And um, you know, I, I do want to touch on that flagrant foul call. I cannot believe I mean, that was just hard to watch, man. The guys, no one was trying to fall. If anything, Jason Tatum did did worse by falling the way he did i mean they pulled his arm down which is what they tell you to do when right. you have guys going air. you know so again i just the whole situation all that stuff i mean I, I think both tatum and murray should be suspended um and then you know i just i'd never agreed with the flagrant call there on trey um i'm actually surprised they didn't call it a two with the way some somehow these refs call some of that stuff but i'm glad they didn't eject trey for that one
0: no, I agree. Hard foul, uh, obviously, but I think exactly that. Just a hard foul, man. It's just you know.
1: I mean, what if, I just want to ask you: what do you, what do they want him to do? Do they want Trey to take him out in the air? Do they want Clint Capella to come over and completely take <laughs> right. him out of the air? I mean, I, right. I think that's the best thing you could have done for a guy, I and mean, I don't know. And just you're a, right; it's a different, different it's level of
0: basketball ball, that makes it look way more dramatic, for lack of a better terms. So yeah, it's it's it is what it is and that does
1: that does take the wind out of the sails a little bit though i mean i was bit. kind of prepping, i'm kind of prepping for it but yeah that's uh yeah
0: that might just, be
1: the nail in the coffin right there buddy boy
0: yeah that might be it that might be it um yeah uh well hey on, on that note uh please listen to the following message we got from our guys over at Firmament. when you need quick effective and accurate data cabling services call firmament solutions we care about your network infrastructure. Our services are white-labeled, so you get the contracts. We provide the services. Our expertise includes low-voltage communication, networking, electrical, physical security, and life safety equipment. We're industry leaders providing 24-hour service coverage. So we ask, when is the best time to have one of our certified technicians assist you? All right, thank you guys for that. We love our guys over at and, Uh As always, thank you guys for what you're doing. Um, so yeah, we'll wrap the episode up on this, uh, as I mentioned a little bit prior in the episode, really just going to kind of talk about who we would want to see moved in the off season, if anyone, um, but like I said, off air, I can't imagine there's no one you'd want to see moved at this point, or at least have a different role. You know what I mean? So, um, I'll say for, for my two, uh, one of them, obviously John Collins, I won't really go too much more on that. We kind of already touched, touched base on all that stuff. The other one, this one kind of sucks to say because he had an incredible game last night. Um, But I do think the consistency for me isn't there. And I'm sorry, Tim. Tim, I don't know your last name, but I know you run Dre's Dungeons. I'm sorry for saying this, man. But (laughs) i really like to see DeAndre Hunter in a different uniform next year. Um, I don't think it's panned out for what we needed him to be. Uh, I don't think you can use the argument of, like, he needs more time. You know, like, it's. I I think he is what he is. Um, You know, whereas... John Collins, I, you know, people, I think, forget he was the 19th overall pick. Like, I think he's kind of just panning out how his career is kind of supposed to pan out. You know what I mean? But oh, a, bunch of, uh, a few big plays and key moments where he could be remembered for, but overall isn't ever going to win like a, a, you know, individual award or be all NBA or anything like that. Where DeAndre, I'm sure when we drafted him, I did. I was like, dude, this dude could win defensive player of the year one year, like, you know. So I, I'm saying like the, the expectations are different for these two guys, and um, I think the the level of play is is very similar for both of them. When they're on, they're on, and they're clearly NBA guys and have a lot of talent. And when they're off, they're out there having a cardio session, and it's yeah. it's it's hard to watch at times. Um, I got to be honest too, like DeAndre, I. You know, you see it with Kawhi Leonard, and, and you'll get what the point I'm making is. He's just one of those dudes that's just calm. He's just not emotional. He just, you know, it doesn't seem like he ever really is driven by, like, he's so pumped up. You know, Trey does it. DeJounte does it. John Collins is, you know, yelling veins, popping out of his neck. Like, you don't see DeAndre do things like that that often. Um, and it's okay to be a silent killer, you know? If you want to be like Kawhi Leonard and and be this baller that doesn't have to be boastful and loud and things like that, that's fine. But, you know, and I get quiet isn't the fairest comparison to make, but that's what I'm getting at is that if you it just I don't know, man, I I, as a sports fan, I love dudes that are like really into it, really passionate. And I'm okay if you're quiet as long as you're this silent killer. But if you're this quiet guy who disappears, you know, one out of three games, if not damn near two out of three games, it's just gotten to a point where it's like, look, man, again, I'm not wishing you ill will at all. I would really hope you find yourself in a great situation, meaning get shipped off to like Oklahoma city or something. No disrespect to Oklahoma city or the Midwest. Um, But you know, I would hope you'd find yourself in a good situation. But at this point, man, I, I would, I would love to see Deandre Hunter go. So for sure. Um, When you asked me, what could we get in return? um, If any of our listeners were on the space last night, if you were on the space, there's dozens of guys at this point, you know what I mean? So um you know Lou Dortz from Oklahoma City I'd be I'd be great with that um got Jaden McDaniels I know he got mentioned a bunch he's he's young he could come in and it's there's 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 dozens of dudes man at this point I I could care less honestly who it is so
1: um, I, and um, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it's the same two guys for me. I may throw in Clint Capella there just because I want to see Kongwu um take over that starting role next year. Yeah. In um, and, and regards to all three of those guys, too, I think trade value-wise, they can still be productive. Now, I get it. John's values, his stock has just gone down. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Teams are – it's how you and I would do business. If the stock's down, I'm going to say, give it to me the low price. I'm not paying that. You know, so it's just, it is what it is. But I still think that they do hold value um, in the market. Now, with DeAndre, I think his contract may be an issue moving. Um, We'll see. And I think it's funny you brought up the lack of emotion because I think yesterday was the first time I've ever seen him be hype about anything. And that was uh, when he had that breakaway dunk, I think right, it was like right. in the second, second quarter or third quarter. Um, and again, I, I totally agree to your point because I haven't seen that in four years since being here. But I think the uh, the argument with DeJounte or DeJounte, DeAndre, um, and I heard it on the radio. I forgot which I thought it was 680 or 929. Some, uh, caller actually had a really good point. And you want to compare compare Jason Tatum to DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, they're different players, but they're drafted relatively the same. He's a third overall pick, Jason Tatum, fourth overall pick, DeAndre, and he's in his sixth year and is an MVP candidate. DeAndre is in, I believe this is fifth year, fifth or fourth year, if you want to correct me. And we're talking about if we should keep the guy or not. That's just, that should kind of tell you everything you need to know when you know, you got something, you know, you have it. And if you don't, now we're having these type of conversations. So I think, you know, I think those three are probably the most likely um, to get traded this year. I don't know if it happens again, their contracts. I mean, John's contract's going to be, pretty difficult to move um especially with what has been seen but um you know I just it'll be sad to see those guys go but it has to be done um I, I'll be happy to see Onyeka and Jalen getting regular playing time AJ Griffin getting cracked the rotation as well it was I was very impressed with him at the early um start of the season I think you know he'll come into his own for the sophomore in regards to pieces we can get back you're right I mean the NBA is a, you can I mean, we've seen it. Kevin Durant demanded a trade, you know, off a of whim, and he was traded and gone within weeks. So, you know, situations change and stuff changes in the NBA all the time. One name that I'm going to throw out there that this would be a dream target scenario for me. Um, and they're kind of going through their own influx, is heading a little north of the border to old Toronto and Pascal Siakam. If he is, if there is any inclination that that man is available, especially with the rebuild that they're essentially going through. I don't care what it does to get that man in Atlanta because he feels a defensive need, feels a forward need, great player, great two-way player.
0: Man, a Sign champion too. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's, that's, he's a champion. I, I didn't even Absolutely. think of him. I'd take him in a heartbeat.
1: Absolutely. They gave him a big contract, so we have contracts to match that. Well, obviously, with John and DeAndre, it's just a matter of if the Raptors obviously would get a better offer or not. But, you know, I, I think that's a name that never gets talked about, especially with the situation they're in. I think Pascal Siakam would be an absolute – Match made in heaven, dream scenario lane for the Atlanta Hawks.
0: Yeah, I'm going to completely agree with you on that one. Um, And real quick, I I had to look it up while you were saying it because I was like, I I feel like they got to be the exact same size, the Jason Tatum and DeAndre comparison. We're not comparing anybody listening, we're not comparing their production because obviously that's silly. We're we're comparing where they were drafted, their expectations, what they were supposed to do in the league. And you could even compare, guess what? Their body types. They are both 6'8. (laughs) <laughs> and DeAndre outweighs uh, Jason by 10 pounds. Exactly. So I'm just saying. So, yeah. they are so he's, even he's even stronger. Yeah. He's They're even the stronger. They're the exact same person. They should have at least relatively the same skill set. And like you said, Jason Tatum is an MVP. And DeAndre Hunter is like, oh, what, what? what's the best value we could get for him? Like, it's just yeah. could not be a more different situations. So, um, but hey. You know, as Hawks fans, we've joked about it many times on this podcast. That is that is the life we have been given. So
1: absolutely, man. Absolutely. And and you know, in just my last thoughts on DeAndre. Listen, if, if anyone's gonna stay on this team or survives, I think DeAndre does have a chance to stay on this team, and mm-hmm. maybe with like, the tutelage of a Quinn Schneider, can come into his own. And and listen, I don't I don't think you or I or any other Hawks fans have been unreasonable with what we're asking for. Just just give us 18 a game, eighteen a game consistently. <laughs> play your ass off on defense and just play and give us give us scoring but like you said when you're having games you score zero 27, 9, 11 like that's just it's hard to it's hard to get you into a role when you're into that and and that's just not what the NBA is anymore the league was so the parody was so deep in the league this year there was only five teams that would I would consider as horrible teams other than that everyone was up until the last two weeks was technically in contention with the playoffs so the league's getting deeper. Players are getting better, and you got to start – we got to start analyzing that data quicker as a franchise, in my opinion.
0: Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up on that. Uh, you know, I, I'll say this before we go. Uh, next week's episode probably will be the last one where we're we'll recapping actual <laughs> games. Um, after yeah. that, we will be going into some of our off-season programming. I'm really excited about it. Uh, any, of those who, any of those of you who watched the game last night – I watched all of it. They even mentioned what our first episode will be about. In 1988, the Celtics and the Hawks played each other in the playoffs and went seven games. It was a crazy series. That'll actually be episode one of the history of the Hawks. So I'm excited to go over that. Um, There's going to be a lot of history. You might have to take down that uh, Bill Russell jersey in the back. Uh, while we- <laughs> oh,
1: man. I, I'll, um, I'll see. I, I'll, I'll move it out of view. Out
0: of view. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so be on the lookout for that, guys. As always, thank you for the support. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at HawksFanTV. Check out our website at HawksFanTV.com. That's where you'll find all of our articles and some other cool content as well. Um, we got to i say it every time. Our, our team of writers, they're incredible, so definitely check out what they got. Um, check us out on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify podcasts, all that. We're we're on all platforms. So, thank you guys for the continued support. And as always, go Hawks! Go Hawks, baby!